Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Um, this show actually kind of came up. I had changed like show topics a couple of times, the different things I wanted to do. Somebody showed me a video called uh, Collateral Murder, apparently linked by WikiLeaks. Um, I reviewed the video and decided that I wanted to do a show about it, and I'm glad that I waited a little while because I did a little bit more research on it, and thanks to some of the links in the forums on the discussion, I was able to also get some basically a counterpoint uh, towards that, and that's what we're going to be discussing today on V Radio. Uh, first, I'm going to let each of my panelists introduce themselves, starting with Azzy. Hi, I'm Azzy from Ireland. Dark Dancer, i.e. Gilbert. Hi, I'm Gilbert, uh, I'm International Chapters Coordinator for the Zeitgeist Movement. Thanks for being here. You're from the Netherlands, right? Correct. I'm sorry I didn't mention that. No problem. And last but not least, a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to make him introduce himself anyway, Thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's Thunder, your favorite grouch. (laughs) Yeah, no (laughs) kidding. All right, well... um, I had watched that video. I wish somebody had linked it to me earlier, actually, because apparently it's, it's been going around for a while now, but I've been in and out of things thanks to some stuff going on at my house and not feeling all that well. But um, I'm back now. This video kind of uh, jump-started me into doing that. Um, basically, the uh, situation was is initially you watch the video, and unfortunately I can't really play it um, and have it really be effective because it's mostly just um, like, you know, military radio would be all you would hear. Um, But basically, you're looking at a video uh, where um, it's taken from the vantage point of an Apache helicopter over Iraq. After doing a little bit of research, I found out that this particular incident took place during the surge. Um, So there was a lot of hostile territory in Iraq at the time. Um, In addition to that, and there's a lot of like little pieces of information that are given by the people who made the video, and you know I, I read them, um, you know like quotes George Orwell. Uh, apparently they made a website for it called CollateralMurder.com, and they say let me read it. On the morning of July 12, 2007, two Apache helicopters using 30 millimeter cannon fire, uh, cannon fire killed about a dozen people in the Iraqi suburb of New Baghdad. Two children were also wounded. Although some of the men appear to have been armed, the behavior of nearly everyone was relaxed. The U.S. military initially claimed that all of the dead were anti-Iraqi forces or insurgents. So, um, has everybody here watched the video? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off then. I'm going to say, um, Azzy, uh, why don't you comment and you know, basically on what this, you know, what impressions you got from this video before we continue. I'll have everybody do that, and then we'll let the conversation flow, basically. Well, uh, I don't know where to begin. Um, I guess, first off, um, it was actually kind of easy to watch because I guess I've been pretty much desensitized to violence and seeing this isn't really much more difference than watching anything on TV. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think I'd rather wait for all of us to get ready. All right. What about you, Thunder? What were your initial impressions of the video? Um, I didn't think it was real when I first saw it. I thought, are we watching a preview of a new 
Call of Duty video game or what's going on? And as I watched it, I mean, I I, I felt my <laughs> my jaw drop. I just couldn't believe it. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. But it, the first thought that came to my mind was something that my son told me, my oldest son, who served a year in Iraq. And I didn't really understand it at the time up until watching this video. But when he said, Dad, I saw things over there that I would not wish on my worst enemy. I, it kind of all gelled for me after watching this video. All right, Gilbert, what about you? I kind of have the same sentiment. When I watched it, I was really um, um, feeling very sick. Uh, I, obviously, it wasn't something that I wouldn't expect from a war within this context happening in such a country, but still, it's not a fun thing to watch. Given the authentic, I mean, whether it's authentic and it's real, that's obviously a second question, but from a first impression, it was really, um, really sad. It, uh, it made me cry. Okay, well, I'm basically I'm watching this video without sound right now, and it starts off with the guys in the chopper saying there's a group of people standing down there, that they're walking down the street. Um, the streets, other than these small groups of people, are are actually kind of um, deserted, like which generally is an indication that maybe something was going on. I'm looking at the video now. I see a large group of Iraqis. They're pointing out that their friend Saeed with his camera is there, shouldered. Um, and then they got another guy with a camera, and the guy in the chopper is identifying his camera as a weapon. Uh, and now they're talking to each other about what they're going to do about it. But there's an awful lot of people here with no weapons at all, and obviously no cameras at all. Now, he says that they have individuals with weapons at this point, and now they're pointing at, they're panning up to a video part that actually gets solidified a little bit more, but you don't see it as much in this individual in a video. But you got a guy with an AK-47 and a guy with what is obviously an RPG. Now, one of the things that even after watching the, the counterpoint video that I, that I just showed to my panelists a little while ago, it's uh, like just a little clip of the video, is that when you're watching the, what the, the guys and the helicopters are saying, he says, have individuals with weapons. At this point, they've only identified the guys with the cameras. And then they go, he's got a weapon too. And now they finally got up to two guys, one of which has an AK-47, and the other one of which has an RPG. And it says, have five to six individuals with AK-47s, is what the guy in the, you know, the helicopter says. And then, so now they're asking for permission to engage. You know, the guy says there's nobody there, but basically Albert will be engaging. But still, at this point, I see two guys with weapons that are obviously weapons, two guys with cameras, and a bunch of Iraqis with nothing in their hands. Um, and we've got one guy leaning around the corner with his RPG. Now, Apparently, there was a Humvee down the road there, um, and so now they're getting ready to fire. They're talking about it. Apparently, they had a guy shooting, and now he's behind the building. They're getting frustrated. He's like, uh, negative. He was uh, right in front of Brad about there, 1 o'clock. Now, they've come around the corner. Haven't seen anything since then. Um, just open up on them. I see your element. Uh, i got about four Humvees. You're clear, all right, firing. Now, at the point that it says all right, firing, we're like four minutes, 45 seconds into the video, and there's a group of unarmed men standing there in the corner, um, and they just gun into them. And there's just people dying in all directions, basically, and a guy crawling away who obviously doesn't have a gun. They basically repeating, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. 
you know, um, they identify a couple of their friends in the video, I guess, who, you know, were obviously unarmed. So then they got their other guy, Saeed, he's trying to escape. You know, he's getting outside of that. They fire on him. You know, he's obviously not armed either. You know, so looking at that, you know, and watching it the first time, I can tell you I was, like, utterly shocked. I mean, it gets even worse once we get up to the point where the van shows up and they're trying to haul one of the injured people away. Um, it turns out that the the van had um, two children in the front seat. You know, like, I guess it was just a father and his kids pull up to the situation. They still haven't identified any of those people, um, at least not in the stories that I've seen so far. You know, he's firing again to make sure everybody in the pile of dead bodies is dead at this point. You know, um, but... That was basically, you know, I'm looking at the video even now. You know, I'll make sure that the video is available to you guys if you haven't already seen it. But um, now he's saying, currently engaging, oh, hold on a second. Let me go back to that so I can quote it exactly. But currently engaging eight to six people with AK-47s and RPGs. So that's what, he, that's what he radios back while he's in the middle of doing this. And obviously, there wasn't eight people with AK-47s and RPGs. There were two, which is relevant, but it's not what he reported. So, I don't know. He says eight people. He doesn't point out that you know, he's only got, like, you know, well, I mean, they, they think they identified, I guess, four, but that's not what he's calling back. Now, throughout this whole video, yeah, okay, currently engaging approximately eight, you know, uh, eight individuals, KI, RPGs, and AK-47s. That's what he says. Um... Now, he's like, he tells somebody you need to move to that location once Crazy Horse is done and get pictures over so that they can confirm everything, you know. And so now they're talking about it, you know, basically to say, okay, so they're exchanging about who's going to go over there. They're looking at all the bodies. And then the guy says in quote, oh, yeah, look at those dead bastards. And the other guy says, nice. Um, so some of this is stuff that's going to be common to war. So obviously we don't agree with war in the Zeitgeist Movement or the Venus Project. But the question is, you know, my initial knee-jerk reaction about this was extremely negative, and obviously it's always going to be negative. I don't like these incidents no matter what. The question next, though, is how do we make sure that we don't overreact? You know, because another thing that I got, you know, that was you know, listed from a different website called the Java Report, which, mind you, looks to be a fairly racist, you know, website, but... Um, when I looked at it, they made some pretty good distinctions about it, including showing the little video of the guy with the AK-47 and the rocket launcher, which, mind you, mind you, with the video that in, you know, the video that you're watching, they don't talk about that. They don't point to the guns. They don't, you know, they just kind of move on. And they, it's like when they're presenting this, they don't say that anybody was armed. At least not the first time I watched it, I noticed that. They just kind of focus on the fact that there's these two guys with cameras being misidentified as having weapons. And, you know, they said they've got, okay, we've also got a guy who appears to be injured and is trying to crawl away. You know, so now, they, um, now they're saying they're going to put somebody in. He's like, all right, well, we'll, we'll cease fire. We won't shoot anymore since they're sending in troops, supposedly. Apparently the guy on the ground is Saeed, who's one of the uh, journalists. He's like, he's getting up. Maybe, had, maybe he has a weapon in his hand. No, I haven't seen one yet. He's like, all right, I see you guys get that guy crawling on the curb. Yeah, I got him. Put two rounds near him, and you guys were shooting over there too, so uh, we'll see. I'm figuring out if he's going to be dead or not. Um, and they're exchanging more military stuff. What else do they say? Um, 
At this point, they're watching the guy closely um, to make sure that he doesn't have a weapon. He's, like, crawling on the ground, you know, obviously nearly dead. And he's like, come on, buddy. All you yeah, got to do saying, is pick up a weapon. Right. They're saying, they're, it's like, yeah, come on, grab a weapon so we can shoot you. Right. You know, it's like, one of the things that came up in one of the other videos here uh that I watched was actually like one of the guys, ex-military guy was like, you know, you're, you're supposed to basically engage until you've, you know, pacified them. You know, you don't just sit there with your gun hoping that they'll pick up something, pick up a weapon so you can shoot them. Um, and obviously, you know, there are things that you have to take into account with all this, like adrenaline. As soon as a, a helicopter pilot sees an RPG, his whole attitude about the situation changes. You can't. They were losing track of the guy with the RPG, so it was it was an intense situation. You don't know what's going to happen to you. It does not in any way justify it. We're just explaining the behavior. So now the van pulls up and he's begging to engage. Can I shoot? He's like, because he's describing the van. You got a guy, an unarmed guy with a van. They're trying to help the injured man get away. You know who we already found out was a journalist. Now they're trying to get permission to engage the pilot. Come on, let us get, let us shoot. He's really upset that they're not letting them shoot at this van. That's just hauling somebody away from the fight, you know, and he actually, like, uh, the pilot at this point is actually so frustrated he starts cussing. They're hauling this guy out. There are no weapons. There are two children in the front seat, but they don't identify this. Um, at least the, it doesn't look like the pilots knew about that. Um, they're still requesting permission to engage the van. Then this guy, Bushmaster 7, says, Roger, go ahead and engage the van. Now, the van isn't engaging in any combat. It's trying to, you know, basically get these people out. And so they just start shooting it to pieces with their Apache. Um, chasing guys around with their bullets, including ones who are obviously not armed. So that's about 10 minutes and 26 seconds into the video. It's like, I hear costume in the dust, got him. He's like, I'm firing. He's like, I guess they're firing again. I don't know what they're shooting at. Probably another... Like, I can't shoot for some reason. I think the van's disabled. Go ahead and shoot it. Neil? Yes? Which video are you watching? There's two versions, a 30-minute version and an 18-minute version. I'm watching the 18-minute version. I wasn't aware of the 30-minute version. I'll check that out later, though. They're still shooting at this van. There's, like, no obvious movement in and out of the van, but they're still gunning it down. It's a miracle that the two kids that were in this van didn't die. Um... So that basically is kind of the assessment of everything that happened. I'm going to encourage people to go ahead and watch this themselves, obviously. But um, they're now trying to guard a Brad, or basically guide a Bradley to the scene. At one point, I know when the Bradley gets in here, it uh, drives over one of the victim's bodies, and they laugh about it. Um, and that was the only thing that was relevant that I, I thought of at this point. But... Now that we've kind of talked about that a little bit, um, what do you guys think? I'll start with you, Azzy. Well, uh, I think it's interesting to point out that the soldiers wanted to take the children to the military base for treatment, but uh, higher-up asked them to take it to the Iraqi police to be taken to a normal Iraqi hospital, which uh, is just unfortunate for the kids. Um, I know that, like, after I watched this, I went on to uh, Reuters.com to find out what they had to say about it, since it was their reporters. 
and I just got an unbiased account about it, but the comments from people on the site, um, the, the people listening to the news from them, they some of the comments just made me feel sick because people were like saying, you know, oh, it's the journalist's fault and it's the father's fault for bringing his kids into a war zone. And, you know, I kind of feel like saying, well, what do you mean bringing his kids into the war zone? You guys brought the war zone to them. We don't know anything about the father and the children. They may have been militants. They may not. They may have just been civilians. But, you know, if you're driving by in a street and you see 12 injured and dead people lying on the ground and someone's trying to get up, you're going to try and help them. I mean, those helicopters, you, you probably wouldn't see them. I mean, they're probably a mile away, and they just have really good zoom in on those cameras. I'm sure that's how it works. So, I mean, the, the fact that like people are sick enough to criticize someone helping another dying human being, it just, uh, that kind of sickens me more than what happened. No, I agree with you there. And um, I, I think that these people tend to forget that, you know, the, the war zone happens to be their home. <laughs> you know, it's not like these people have any choice. If a place is under siege and that's where you live, then that's really all you got. You can try to leave, but that doesn't always go well for you either. Um, so it's not an ideal situation for anybody involved. It's not an ideal situation for the soldier. It's not an ideal situation for the Iraqis, obviously. Um, you know, and apparently, you know, they do get the two wounded girls out and all that, but, um, so what about you, uh, Gilbert? What do you think? Very mixed feelings. I mean, I probably wouldn't make friends just, um, outing what I actually feel. I mean, um, sure, uh, there are more sides to the story than just the one-sided report that we get to see, but when I do see the one-sided report from the anti-American view, I really get aggravated, and I was like, well, if Iran drops an atomic bomb on the United States, I wouldn't care less, because that's how it makes me feel. Obviously, that is not really how I feel, but it it does make me think about the way that Americans deal with war. It's, it's really disgusting. I'm not saying that's only the Americans, but obviously you guys have been in a lot of wars in the last few decades, so that does bring in more like negative light. I'm just saying, it's uh, the way that the audio trans transcript goes, which obviously I can't say if it's real, because I don't know, but if it is, then it's really disgusting the way they are treating uh, the situation, like, well, he's trying to get up and waiting for him to get up to actually shoot him if he gets a gun. Now, I mean, that's just, just totally sickening. Now, what did you think, Thunder? Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. It's, it's just really disheartening. The whole incident. I mean, you know, we could throw a blanket statement over it that we've said before and say, you know, we really don't belong there in the first place, or we should have been out of there a long time ago. But, you know, what are we gonna? What, what can you say about that? Um, the, the question that keeps popping into my mind is what was the threat? What, you know, I mean, have we gone beyond the don't fire until fired upon rule? If that was ever a rule, because what was the threat? Obviously they, the AK 47, whether there was one or five or whatever, could not touch those helicopters, so they were in no danger. 
the RPG, I don't know what the range on it is, but I doubt if, you know, doubt if, they, you know, one RPG could have taken down those helicopters at that range. So what was the big threat? That's what I really don't understand. No, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, I need to respond to somebody in the chat room. Uh, we have, like, a Tyler520 who's coming in and, you know, He's calling us terrorist sympathizers. Let's see, um, edited video and hits they do. Stop making excuses and shifting blame. I give links to both of the videos, both to the the anti, you know, Iraqis in the situation and to the the pro Iraqis in the situation. Um, as I said before, we we're going to review all of it, but you know, and then I, you know, he goes on to say that you know they're terrorists. You people are terrorist sympathizers. I said terrorists would be over here. We invaded their country. And they had no links to terrorism before we got there. He says, of course they had links to terrorism. Anyone who says otherwise is a stupid or a liar and stop pretending to give a shit now. I can guarantee you that you didn't give a crap about Saddam's mass graves filled with as many 10,000 bodies per grave. You know, I'm going to respond to that the same way that Ron Paul did, was that the, the 10,000 mass graves and the gassing of the Kurds and all that, you know, if, if we were really over there dealing with that, then why didn't we deal that with that back in the 80s when it actually happened? If that was our motivation, was to overthrow the evil Saddam, why the hell didn't we doing anything, do anything about it back then? Answer me that, Tyler. Or do you have an answer? <laughs> Getting a little off topic. No. Well, it's, it's, it's semi-relevant because we're talking about the Iraq War. But that being said, um, you know, I did want to talk a little bit about that, though, was the fact that it's, it's a really dicey situation. And I... I have to pull myself back from it because I don't want to be a patriot, um, but I'm also not going to be, you know, uh, a person who suggests that terrorism is the answer. You know, there are, the insurgents are killing innocent people too. So it's, it's a question of when you look at a situation like that, you know, um, he says Congress wouldn't allow it, genius. I was like, yeah, right, okay. No, Congress didn't allow it because the lobbyists at the time in question kind of liked Saddam right where he was. But um, in any case, uh, that being said, uh, when you look at this video, because like the other thing that I brought up was, as I said earlier, the Java report, which is the only site. They linked to another site that was a lot more tasteful, talking about some of the major points about what it's like to be the soldiers in this situation. So they kind of encapsulated on a little bit part of the video. At the original video, though, as we discussed earlier, doesn't really talk about. So you got a guy here who's got an AK-47, and you got a guy here who's got an RPG. I did point out that I only see two armed people in the entire video, okay? And that's all that these people can find either. Because the helicopter pilot reported back, and he was like, oh, well, um, and he's like, yeah, there's like eight guys here, and they're all got our AK-47s and RPGs. Well, that's obviously not true. Um, but there were two armed people there. And it only takes one RPG to take a well-placed RPG to take down most of the helicopters and kill a lot of people in the process. Uh, now, there are Iraqis that go around armed, and I don't really blame them. Um, in fact, you don't—that doesn't necessarily mean you're an insurgent either. Um, you know, some of the private security that journalists get and stuff—they, you know, they carry around guns because they—well, they obviously have to. Their country's a war zone because we don't really do a very good job of policing it, especially not in the beginning. Um, we let them kill each other all the time. And, but you don't need an RPG for anything other than being an insurgent. I don't see any kind of personal self-defense value in having a rocket-propelled grenade. So 
Um, it's obvious that these people were, you know, that there were, you know, possible insurgents with them, but they killed a whole lot of people who didn't have any guns at all to get two people. Is it just me, or does that sound like something that would probably be more practically addressed with, you know, soldiers on the ground to make sure you don't do anything, like, say, you know, riddle a van with two children in it full of bullets from the air? Well, I mean, where does it become, you know, collateral damage? Where is the difference between collateral damage and the casual dismissal of human life? Yes. What do you think, Gilbert? Well, I fully, I, yeah, I fully agree with that. I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, sure, I can see the risk that is being uh, being assessed here. Sure, they have a weapon. And yes, I mean, even if it's not the most of the group, identifying an RPG is definitely a risky case. I mean, an RPG could definitely take out a helicopter, but that's not the point here. I mean, presumably with the amount of zoom range here, very likely that these people didn't even realize that the helicopter was in range. So they didn't have any malicious intent, most likely, towards the American forces. I, I see it totally as provoked. Even when, when watching the Jawa report, I have no doubt in my mind that it was just a <coughs> very sick attempt of the American forces they have fun because they're bored by killing other people. That's how I see it. Right. We actually well, have a, Oh, go ahead and make your point, Azzy. We do have a caller, so caller, stay on the line, and I'll get to you as soon as Azzy's done. I'm just saying that, I mean, these guys have orders. They're trained to, well, not just kill people, but, you know, they've also got skills to help other people out. But, I mean, we're talking about a pilot and his uh, gunnerman. And, uh, I mean, they've got strict orders that they're meant to seek and basically neutralize the threat. And I can understand why they exaggerated it. I mean, it might have been just something in the heat of the moment. I mean, they spotted two guys with an AKs. They look for, like, their permission to kill them. I mean, that's what they're trained to do, and that's what command wants them to do. And um, I don't know. I, I don't really see this as actually being anything out of the ordinary for the Iraq war, at least. I know, um, you know, the only difference here is that the, the guys in the air, when they were, like, shooting at them, I mean, they enjoyed it. And when the guy, like, ran over the body in his Humvee, he laughed about it. But if you were to actually look back to, like, Japan, 1943, 1944, with um, World War II, the guy's bombing the crap out of Japan, out of Tokyo, and just burning cities to the ground, they couldn't sleep. They had to be given whiskey. They had to be given just, you know, things to just let them calm down and just take their mind off things because they had just killed thousands of people within one bombing run. And that's understandable. And, but the difference is here, it almost seems like it's a casual thing that they want to kill the people, that there's this desire that they're like, you know, come on, come on, just pick up a weapon. It's just uh, that kind of difference. I mean, I can empathize with the soldiers and I can empathize with the uh, journalists. I just think um, it's just a very futile situation. All right, let's bring on this caller. Caller in the 613 area code. You're on the air. Yep. Hey, guys. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. You're just kind of quiet. 
Okay, one moment. Sure. All right, guys, you might know me as Jim uh, from the Ottawa chapter. Uh, I just wanted to point out what was last said as well is, you know, while these people were shooting the others, especially the individuals in, in the van, like, it was clear they were neutralized at some point or another. Why, why keep shooting? Um, and also, I, I just wanted to, maybe somebody can add to this, is I want to ask the question, how is that behavior possible in the first place? What type of brainwashing or not, like, what type of value system do these people have? And, I, you know, we, we can elaborate for a long time on what happens in the military during training and so on, but this is beyond belief for most people just walking down the street. Anyways, I just wanted to ask that question and see if you guys can add to that. It's, <laughs> this is a behavioral system. Like, this is, this is insane. This is insane sickness. Well, I certainly don't disagree with that. Thank you for calling in. Um, I guess you're the first person to ever use the toll-free number I purchased. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, and you said from Ottawa. Where, where is that again? You're in Canada, or is that – or am I wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Jay Clores in the chat right now. Um, Jim Clores oh. from the Ottawa chapter. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks a lot. It's good to get a call from, from Canada. Um, but, yeah, we'll go ahead and answer your question. I'm going to go ahead and um, hang up now, though. And uh, thanks for calling in. No worries, Norris. Have a good one. All right, well, he posed an interesting point, and basically what that's about is, you know, what kind of mentality, what kind of value system. And it's one of the things, I mean, in, in, I don't want to say in defense. This is just about explaining it, okay? It, it has to do with um, if you're going to train somebody to be able to even just to be able to defend themselves, there has to be a certain change in their mentality for it to work. Um, I learned this just from helping people learn the martial arts. You know, there are a lot of guys, for example, who might learn the techniques of martial arts, but they don't really have the mentality or the psychology to even really be able to defend themselves. They'll know what to do, but will they be able to do it? And unfortunately, that means that when you're training killers, you know, people who have to be able to kill, even if it's just to defend themselves, you're going to have to be able to change their value system. Once again, not justifying it, just explaining where it comes from. And, you know, if you're going to train somebody to be soldiers, even if they're going to go into legitimate situations where we actually should be, you know, once again, me hoping that, you know, war never has to be the answer. But, you know, in the times that it is necessary to protect, the, you know, your, yourself or your country or whatever, as rare as that ever actually takes place, um, is the fact that you're going to have to be mentally ready to do that. And I think that one of the reasons that they encourage racism over there is because it helps to sensitize these people to think of the, the human beings that they're killing as lesser people. Uh, the same thing was true in Vietnam. You know, they, the, they throw the, the racial slanders around in Vietnam and you had to help desensitize people to the things that needed to be done over there because the war is, especially when you're fighting an insurgency, it's not the same thing as fighting, you know, soldiers who are in uniform. You're fighting a people and their mentality. You know, so there are two ways to go about that. Win their hearts and minds or scare the hell out of them until they just stop fighting. And neither of them are very easy to do. So that's the strategy in mind. Once again, not condoning any of it. I'm just kind of explaining it. So did anybody else have anything to add on that? I'll start with you, Azzy. No, I think I've given out my main points in my previous statement. 
What about you, Gilbert? Gilbert? Well, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I responded a little slow. Well, I certainly do think it has a little to do with shock doctrine, but well, at this point in time, I, I think we can continue the topic, though. I mean, most of the good points have been made. I'm actually thankful that uh, Jake Collars came on, on the call just to make his point. I think that's an interesting topic to discuss later in here. I won't delabor any more, though. I'm interested to see how it will develop uh, for the rest of the show. Thunder? Yeah, I mean, I think we've made our point. Uh, nobody is denying that these soldiers don't have a tough job. But, again, like Azzy said, where do you draw the line? At what point does it become deplorable behavior when they're actually enjoying it and actually so trigger-happy that they're begging for approval to kill another human being, whether or not, and again, I still don't know the answer to the question, what was the threat? They weren't fired upon. These, you know, whether they're terrorists, and I'm not apologizing for the terrorists, for if that person's still listening, but the point is, is, you know, where do you draw the line? At what point does it does it become don't fire until fired upon, uh, you know, instead of just give me the green light so I can light them up as, you know, w w I think that's what the guy said, light them up. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It just, it's tough. It's a tough, uh, tough situation. I mean, go ahead. Whoever's going to go next. I was just going to say, though, if, if they didn't enjoy it, I wonder what they would have felt. I wonder if enjoying killing people is the only way they can actually, you know, get paid. Deal, deal with it, right. Yeah. They, have to, they have to disassociate the human factor out of the equation so that they can pull the trigger without, you know, without hesitation, I guess. But I'm sorry. I mean, after watching that video, I would have think there would have been some level of hesitation. Uh, I mean, it was just... I don't know. It, it, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but um, as I told UV earlier, it just seems like a you know bad execution of a good idea. <laughs> War is a bad execution of a bad idea, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. Um, we also have to look at this from both sides, and that's you know like the lesson I learned a long time ago when they were showing that stuff of the, the what Israelis were doing in Gaza. It was like, well, it doesn't really look any different to me than what happens when somebody from Hamas straps bombs on himself and goes into an Israeli coffee shop and kills people who probably never participated in doing anything, you know, in Palestine. And it's, it, we need to look at the fact that it's too easy to allow this to divide us. It's too easy to us for us to think that this is just a tragedy for the Palestinians or it's a tragedy for the Iraqis or it's a tragedy for Israelis. When these sorts of things happen, it's a tragedy for mankind. You know, and if you want to find the villains, look for whoever the hell is making money on these situations. You know, I mean, and when we're talking about the mentality, I mean, in the Al-Qaeda training networks, provided that they exist, I mean, I know that, um, you know, the Iraqi chapter of Al-Qaeda exists because I've been to their website and looked at their stuff, and they've got their own little documentary that's got some of the things that they play to their people to recruit. And mind you, we're making it easier and easier for them to recruit the whole time. That's one of the things that happened in Vietnam, too. I remember that one scene in Platoon where they, they burned that village down after raping some of the local women, butchering some people. And the whole notion was that they needed to do all that because the people in that village might be VC. 
And as they're walking out of the village and it's burning down, the first thing that pops into my head was, well, if they weren't VC before, they certainly are now. You know, that's <laughs> something else well, that came up in one of the news reports was like, right, what are right. these kids going to grow up to do? Right, and that was my other thought too. It's like, okay, if the shoe was on the other foot and this had happened in complete reverse, <laughs> can you imagine the backlash? No, I do know that... Um during the beginning of the war that a lot of Muslim extremists, well, relatively a lot of Muslim extremists did fly to Iraq and try and enter the war and then fight against the uh, Americans. I mean, that is documented. No, and I, and I agree with that. It, it's just the, the question is, though, is that it's, what are we doing that makes that easier? I mean, beyond just the issue of, okay, just beyond just the issue of, like, us killing civilians, which happens in every war, it's also the issue that we've done a lot of things in Iraq and we haven't really fixed a lot of their infrastructure. We blew up all their power plants. We blew up all their water treatment plants. You know, you can't even turn on your damn electric in many of the, you know, places in Iraq. And I don't think people really, they don't really humanize this enough. This is why I watch videos from both perspectives. Like, I watched a video called Meeting Resistance, which really opened my eyes a lot about what motivates a lot of these insurgents. It's very easy to dehumanize these Iraqis and not think of them as people when they, when the, in the way that they're portrayed in the modern media. You don't really get a t chance to talk to any Iraqis. You don't get to find out what their problems are. And the way they're depicted, they always focus on these guys who don't speak English and, you know, they're desperate, they're upset, you know, and so therefore their language sounds a little funny to the average American. It makes it very easy to look at them as, you know, as, as a different species even in your mind. You know, when you get a really good translator and you go in to talk to these people on their own terms, you begin to understand a lot of the Iraqi insurgents that they spoke to in Meeting Resistance, which is a very good documentary done by a couple of British journalists who risked their lives to go in and actually talk to Iraqi insurgents, was that contrary to what was being spun at the time, the majority of them were not, in fact, Ba'ath Party um, rejects. They weren't former Saddam. In fact, even revealing that you used to be part of the Ba'ath Party will get you shot by other Iraqis. Let, let alone <laughs> insurgents. Uh, you're not too popular in that, you know, in, the, in that country if you used to work for Saddam. So that being said, the, 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 a lot of them were guys, like they had a guy who was a retired Iraqi Special Forces soldier who really wanted nothing to do with any of it, and then his brother got killed. You know, it, it, you know that means a person, people. It's like people don't think about that. That's, imagine that that's your brother. You know, really inject yourself into the situation. You know, now imagine that those guys from Blackwater, because this is another video that Blackwater put up, or members of Blackwater, not officially Blackwater, but members of Blackwater put up their little video with country music playing, with them driving down a road and shooting Iraqis for fun, you know, who were just driving down the street. They weren't doing anything wrong. You know, they use that video now to recruit Iraqi insurgents. You know, it, it, you now think about that. Translate, that. translate that into your head. So now you're, you know, driving down the street to go to the market or something, and some idiot pulls a gun out and starts shooting you, you know, shooting up your car. Maybe your children are in the car. You know, who knows what's going on? But you just know that you're in your neighborhood and some random guy is shooting at you. And apparently he works for the force that's occupied your country. How does that affect your attitude towards the occupying force? Is that winning right. hearts and minds? Right. Absolutely that's, not. That's what I was saying earlier. You know, the people that still think that, quote, unquote, they hate us for our freedom, no, they don't. They hate us because of crap like this. No, I... Well, this is just a superstitious American attitude. If anybody actually thinks that way, I would just say, you're fucking retarded. What the hell? I mean, <laughs> this is... This is 
It's an everybody show, Gilbert. Don't don't cuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Saying, we're looking at this from a total American perspective, and we're looking at it from that way. I would just say from a European perspective, and I know that most of you agree with that, so don't take this as a personal no, thing. No, by all a, means. Americans shouldn't think that, that anybody in the world doesn't think that I shouldn't be there. I mean, from an aggressive point, point of view, if you're talking about people from Europe who actually understand these things, they should that the Americans in Iraq should die. Seriously, they, they, this sounds very extreme, I understand. I don't support this in any way. I've talked to people and they think that, that, that when any Iraqi is dying in Iraq, that there should be an American in place dying instead because they have no business being there. You know, that's, that's why I said it's a very extreme point of view. I don't support it. But that's the general sentiment. America cannot in any way justify them being there and them just being there aggravates other people to think that they're there for some reason they shouldn't be and that, that any human life that is lost there should be compensated in American lives, which is a standpoint I could never agree on because no life should be lost in any way, but I can be sympathetic to it because it's so fucking ridiculous. How fucking retarded. Gilbert, Gilbert, <laughs> no more F-bombs. <laughs> can make me lose his license. <laughs> I, I have the show listed for everybody, so don't, don't, say, don't say the F-word, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, America. <laughs> <laughs> no, f- feel free to be angry at America, okay? I- I'm angry at America, too, but just don't use F-bombs, because people actually listen to my V-radio show in front of their kids sometimes. But please continue with your rant, minus the... But no, 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 it's, it's, it's okay. I, I actually can do this rant without getting so aggressive. So You can cuss in your own language if you want. Most of my listeners probably don't understand Dutch, so just use the Dutch word for that. We'll be okay. No, no, it's fine. I, I was just trying to portray a sentiment. I'm actually not angry about it, but I'm just saying that in general, it's quite ridiculous what's happening, and I, I just encounter a lot of people from America who don't uh, consider this on a global scale. They're always looking from the American perspective, which by the cussing as well, which is just like a uh, method to get people on a sharp mode, is that you shouldn't watch it or look at it from an American perspective. This is a fail. That's why I say fuck, fuck this all the time. (laughs) You're doing it again. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I know. I, but but this time it was to emphasize a point. Okay, no problem. The reason I do that is because uh, the American perspective is not relevant at all. You need to look at it from a global perspective and look at what your country is actually doing there and why they are there and what kind of crimes are happening. That is why I'm being so sure, so so uh, harsh on the subject. And I'm not, definitely not anti anything or in, or in any case, but I'm just saying that a lot of people wouldn't consider the same situation from your perspective uh, whatsoever. So don't look at it from an American perspective. Take it broader. Well, actually, I wanted to comment on that, and it will probably lead into Azzy saying something, is that when I went to Ireland, one of the things that they suggested to tourists was don't bring up the Iraq war. 
<laughs> so did you want to comment on that, Azzy? Like, you know, for Americans coming to Ireland, you know, like they, they suggested to me not to bring up the Iraq war? Uh, well, I can I can sort of understand that. We Well, it's not really talked about here. And when, when it is talked about, generally the sense is, yeah, the Americans are idiots. So, and that's, oh, well, go ahead. I think the, the, the point is, is that you guys have gotten yourself into enough dirt over the years that if you come over here with that attitude of, oh, we're just spreading freedom around the world, then you're going to get lynched. Uh, and I don't, and I, and now to say that this is one of the reasons I have an international panel as often as I can on V Radio is to try to get these perspectives, Gilbert. So don't think I was trying to censor you. I just, I just need you to, to, to do it without cussing because I have kids sometimes who listen to my show. Um, but that being the case, though, I totally agree, and I've seen that same attitude. My original V Radio uh, co-host was from, um, he was living in Switzerland, but he was also Dutch, and you know. We, we had him on a lot to, you know, like he was just like my actual regular co-host for a while. And, um, and he was, you know, constantly giving me the European perspective on various things that you don't often hear over here. You know, it's, it's like different news, you know, different attitude. When you don't have that being spun at you that it's all, you know, acceptable the whole time. You know, it, it, it's definitely um, a way to think about it is that outside of the United States is that we're not really looked on very highly. And the reason I was saying it from the American perspective is obviously because that's, you know, it's, those are the people involved in the war. But what Gilbert's talking about is extremely relevant, and that is that outside of our country, you know, people who aren't being you know, fed propaganda by the local media that's owned by the corporations that are making all the money in the war in Iraq, you get a very different impression. And that's one of the reasons why I tell people, you know, go to my website, vradio.org, v-radio.org, watch must, you know, go to the must-see TV tab, and watch Orville Rolls in His Grave, Militainment, and Fox, uh, you know, it's called Outfoxed Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism. And you'll get an idea for just how much you're being manipulated into believing that all of this is just, you know, just rosy cherry. Militainment in particular is extremely good documentary about the subject of how this sort of thing, you know, works and how our uh, media is being used for that way as a tool. You know, so... Go ahead, Azzy. If you don't mind me, I'd like to recommend a good TV show. Um, it takes the point uh, or the point of view of Evan Wright, a, uh, a Rolling Stones journalist that was put into the first reconnaissance marine group, I think, mm-hmm. in Iraq in 2003. And uh, he made a book about it called Generation Kill. And, and these two guys, David Simon and Ed Burns from The Wire, a great TV show, adapted that into the miniseries on HBO called Generation Kill, and it's about seven hours long, but it is about seven hours of just pure, uh, unbiased, just accounting of what went on and trying to stick to it as true as possible. And I'd recommend anyone who wants to understand things about Iraq or how it started or how things were operated inside of Iraq, just watch Generation Kill, a very good account of it. Based on a true story. Um, just to tell my listeners, because somebody asked, you know, if I would be willing to let my Skype be open for call-ins for people, for example, who are calling from out of the country, that's absolutely, uh, totally an option because it doesn't cost me anything. My Skype is VTV115. Uh, if you want to add that to your Skype, 
um, just send me a PM on Skype, and then I'll add you to the call. It's actually a pain in the butt to add somebody to the call while you already have a conference call going on. And if you screw it up, then you actually end up hanging up on the conference call and the person who's trying to call you. So I will add you via Skype, and I actually prefer that because it doesn't cost me anything, not to mention the fact the sound quality is better. Uh, but, you know, you add me to your Skype, PM me on Skype, and I'll be happy to add you to the call if you ever want to call into a V-Radio episode. Um, so anyway, yeah, thank you, Ezzy, for bringing that up and uh, making those recommendations. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of good ground here, and, you know, and I, the reason that I don't feel that this is off topic is because you have to get deeper into the root causes of these situations, just like we see in the Venus Project all the time. You know, what, what leads these people to do this? Why would they want us to leave their country? You know, we're supposedly we're over there to free them. Why are they so upset? Well, it's obvious that they're not, that they don't want Saddam back. That would be asinine. You know, and I've never been able to find any kind of study that has told me that they're coming after us because they like things under Saddam. Um, I've spoken to Iraqis here in Michigan, and there actually is um, uh, quite a few Iraqis in Michigan for some reason. But, um, and they said that initially when things started, they actually thought things were going to be great. But now, uh, even just basic needs are not being met. Uh, you know, it's like you have to weigh in, well, you know, Saddam kind of got his, his playbook for ruling people. Um, he got it from, you know, he got his, some, uh, his playbook from Joseph Stalin. So, you know, you're living under a harsh regime. But can you turn on your water and have clean water come out? You know, can you turn on your electricity when maybe your kids are sick and you need to take care of them in the middle of the night? You know, can you do that? You know, these are the things that are being weighed. You know, and let, let's not forget about, you know, as No End in Sight pointed out very well, um, was the fact that um, we haven't rebuilt their infrastructure and we put a lot of emphasis on their oil infrastructure and nothing else. So... Um, I'm getting a couple of ads from Skype, and that's awesome. If you want to be added to the call, though, PM me, because I don't know if that's what you want to do otherwise. Um, but that being said, I'm going to go back to what I was saying. You don't really, um, you don't really have a full grasp of what's going on over there until you look at the stuff that's not on the news. Because while they were reporting that everything was great on Fox News, people who were in Iraq are like, what are you talking about? You know, I don't have water. I don't have electricity. I don't have basic necessities. I can't get medical care. There's no police to protect me. You know, and I would point out again that the Iraqi military offered to police Iraq. We don't even have to be doing it. And the answer from that idiot, Bremer, was to just disband the military, including the ones who wanted to work with us and make their country better. So then we sent those people into unemployment in a country where it's very difficult to get, un to get employed, after jerking them around about the possibility that they might be able to come back and help their country as soldiers, you know, to keep the peace, who better to be policing Iraq than the actual Iraqi military at that point? What are they going to do? They're not going to cause any problems if they're working right under our noses, obviously, but they certainly be, you know, join the um, insurgency right away. You know, um, that's one of the reasons why I said, like, uh, the, the movie The Green Zone, I just watched that recently. It had Matt Damon in it. I expected it to be, you know, some kind of modern war, you know, movie. I was totally taken aback when I watched it because it's actually like a dramatization of no end in sight. It, like, goes over the fact that they couldn't find any weapons of mass destruction. It goes, you know, it, it kind of gets down and, you know, and dirty about the treatment of the Iraqi army and how they were disbanded. It really, you know, it's, 
I left the movie theater going, wow, I'm really amazed that this movie was you know, released as a mainstream film because it totally humiliated the administration at the time by pointing out, nope, we didn't have anything, and all of the intelligence that we had was likely made up in the first place, that they basically invented that guy, Magellan, who supposedly gave them all the information. So, um, so you think about, you know, why are these guys walking around with AK-47s and rocket launchers? Why are they risking their lives against an obviously superior force that can do things like shoot them from the sky with, you know, helicopters? But obviously, as you pointed out earlier, Gilbert, and I thought about that too, they didn't even look like they knew that there was, they were even being targeted. They weren't even taking, you know, cover initially. They were just casually walking down the street with, you know, one of them, you know, two of them were armed, but they were casually walking down the street. So, you know, these are things that you've got to keep in mind when you're thinking about this stuff. And you also, I want to caution people against demonizing the military. Okay, this is really important. Because the military, if anything, those soldiers are far bigger victims in this situation than we are. And I'm not talking about as compared to the Iraq, Iraqis. They are basically, con, you know, they are conditioned by their environment. And if anything else, we could also look at this as a positive data point, not as in a good thing by any means, but to point out that your environment and your behavior can be significantly changed. I, you know, a lot of people go into the military and they would have never even have thought of killing anybody before they did. You know, and now you got guys that are talking about killing other human beings like it's a video game. And that's an example of how, you know, people's behavior can be molded. And then look at this from perspective of how could this be positively changed? What if we had a boot camp for being peaceful and using cooperation? You know, think about that. I certainly agree. I mean, obviously, uh, we can get very emotional when we see these situations, but I cannot disagree with you when you say that they're, they're being conditioned by the environment they're in. Obviously, when somebody enters the military, they're getting conditions in the most extreme way that is possible. The whole military complex, whether it's in your country or in my country, is still a very conditioning system where people are being taught certain things and being made um, agreeing to certain things that are unhuman to the rest of society, but it's made normal within the military complex. So yes, that's uh, fully understandable, Neil. And we just added Nathan Morgan to the call. Nathan, did you want to comment? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, let me, I guess, turn off the... Where is it? We actually don't hear it, so you're fine. Go ahead. Oh, okay. First, I kind of feel special talking to you guys. Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> to you guys. Thanks. And uh, what is the worldwide response to this? Is it like, I would expect like a huge negative, like people being outraged. You know, I was surprised by that, actually. I, I saw a report today um, where they were arguing about it, and they had one guy who was, like, trying to excuse it, and then they had a bunch of guys who just descended on him like a pack of wolves. I was very surprised that the mainstream media covered it that way. Now, that was just in one news outlet, so I don't know what it's like in other places, but one of the things that they did point out, which is kind of ironic, is that while this was going on, CNN's main issue right now is reporting about Tiger Woods going on a vacation or something. I don't remember what he was doing. Well, but Didn't he cheat like six months ago? How is that still on the news? Like, I that? no idea. But that's, you know, that's an example of how these things happen. Um, when they were working on um, passing the, uh, oh, God, what's it called? It basically was one of the acts they were trying to put through Congress that would have allowed them to regulate the Internet. 
While they were voting on this key issue, they were reporting on wildfires and uh, Anna Nicole Simpson. That's an example of how they, you know, they, they get people's attention away from really important things like that um, to, to get you focusing on other things. Did anybody else have Anna, a comment on this? Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, her, whoever that person is. <laughs> Someone not important to me in the slightest, but for some reason important, more important than, you know, key issues going on in the world. The state of the whole Internet. Right. You're trying to humanize the victims, but you're dehumanizing a dead person. Shame. Right, that too. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, as far as that's concerned, you're talking about, like, world reaction. Um, have you gotten anything out of Ireland or out of the Netherlands for my two other international people? At this point, no. I mean, we don't have to deal with the Internet censorship uh, as such or anything remotely uh, affiliated to the problems you're facing there. So in that regard, we're still at this point lucky. What about Ireland? On this particular article, um, I haven't seen anything about it. Right. I mean, now mind you, we're probably not the best people to ask since we probably don't watch a lot of mainstream TV. I don't know about you guys, but the only reason I even know about this is because Thunder told me about it. I don't, I, I don't watch mainstream TV at all anymore. Um, you know, but that being said, um, if there are any other callers out there who wanted to be added, let me know, chickens. Um, <laughs> it's funny Come too. On, people call are like, in. They're like, "Oh, I'm so nervous." It's like, "What's what's going to happen? You're gonna you're gonna be on V Radio. It's not that big." You're gonna attack me through the internet. Yep. Oh well, no. People think they can do that. Remember? <laughs> no, the trolls think they're pretty valuable in that regard. Because after all, I do nothing but sit up late at night thinking about you know what some of these people think of me. Um, but no. In any case, though, you know, by all means, do call in. Uh, I have no problem adding you with Skype. And the other benefit of being on Skype is it doesn't cost me anything, so you can stay on as long as you want. Um, but yeah, some people are saying you know they just heard about it today in the chat room. They're saying that they didn't hear anything about it until then. And there's some differing reasons for that. It actually brings up something else that kind of occurred to me is that the mentality changes. You notice that when you stop watching commercials and stop watching mainstream television, your whole psychology changes. The way you look at the world changes, you know, um, and for, particularly about politicians. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I realized when I was dealing with the Ron Paul and the Mike Gravel campaign is that the media really controls what you look at and how you look at it. And they're very good at making sure that you only hear from the correct spin doctors to make sure that whatever little, you know, agenda they have is the one that you get. And the reason I bring that up is just like I've made sure my children are not being exposed to advertising. You know, they're not really watching anything outside of DVDs and stuff that I've selected for them just because I don't want them to be exposed to any of that. Um, we're actually down to the last 90 seconds of the live show. Um, what did you want to say, caller? Oh, uh, I guess nothing left. But okay. without advertisements, real quick, how are you going to know what to wear? <laughs> right, or what to buy. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in this edition of E-Radio. I'm sorry about the, the gap between this and the, like, four rapid-fire shows I did earlier, but my wife got into a car accident, and I got, like, really freaking sick, so I was not up to it for a while. I have donations up uh V-Radio. I'm trying to secure the motherboard and the processor for the computer that I want to do um, Zeitgeist TV on. You could donate towards that on the blue chip-in widget. Um, and we are still also looking for um, help with this month's 
costs, including the 1-800 number that one of the uh, users used earlier. Um, you can do that at the Red Shipping Widget. That's at vradio.org, v-radio.org. Um, don't forget to check out Thunder Show, z-radio, z-radio. Um, and uh, thanks again for tuning in. Everybody say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. I didn't say to say goodbye. I said to say goodbye. <laughs> Are you still awake over there, Gilbert? Say goodbye. I am. Goodbye. You know, like you get these little gaps when you're you're saying it. It makes me think you have a pillow in your key at your keyboard. <laughs> no, no, it actually delays a little when I turn on my mic. But anyway, I'll I'll cut off. No problem. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again for tuning in to V Radio. Okay, how do this I? This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is John Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.